This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Now we're going to we're coming to Krakow, and together with the um, together with the uh, ancient with the with the people who made Krakow, the the Mokram Torah was. In the 1500s and 1600s, Krakow has tremendous prominence as being the place where probably the greatest revolution that saved Yiddishkeit happened, and it was the founding of the Shiva of the Beziaka movement. It's something which really is incredible historically. We spoke about like Rameya Shapiro had this understanding of how to translate um, genuine Torah values in genuine language and, and uh, structure of the, of the generation that was needed. Um, we're going to talk about Sora Shnira and the incredible revolution that she made. Um, and it's, it's really looking back in hindsight, some of the opposition she met people that helped her that I think it's not clear enough their role and understanding a bigger picture. Um, she wrote their books written she wrote she had a, a diary and there were books written about her. Just now a, a contemporary um, academic work came out about It's written by a woman named Nomi Zeidman. Her father was a very famous Orthodox writer, Dr. Hillel Zeidman, brilliant person. He wrote about Torah personalities, many books and stuff. She herself grew up from, she is not from, but the book is surprisingly, um, surprisingly um, well-balanced. And uh, like all historical um, works, academic works, um, you thank her for the sources that she brings and lays out. Some of her theses you can accept and not accept, but certainly in terms of accurate information that's quoted, it's hard to, to, to match her. I, I'm, I went through the book, I went through other stuff also, but I found her book to be um, decent. The point, the thesis that she tries to build, I think, also has some merit to it. Um, and and um, I'll try to paint a picture. Let's understand the way things look like. In 1874, the Austro-Hungarian Empire was a reasonably um, enlightened empire. They actually were reasonably um, modern, sophisticated, and they made a law that mandatory secular, mandatory education for all children and boys and girls. Until that time, um, many, many non-Jewish boys and girls had not received any education. In the Jewish world, the boys had, the boys had received cheder education. The girls were at home, uh, busy helping their mothers. Um, just to understand, it really took a full day of work to run a household. When you have to cook everything and make everything new and, and, and do everything by hand, it was a 15-hour-a-day job, and they were expected to help out. So some of the girls, their parents taught them to read and write, some not. Some of them had a rudimentary idea of tefillahs. 
they basically kept to the tradition of their parents. This was the norm in, 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 in all of uh, the world, that children grew up in their parents' home, the values, the norms of their parents, um, and uh, in much of the world, education wasn't terribly mandatory. In 1874, you made a law. As far as the boys were concerned, you got a fine if you kept your kid in Cheder, but like everything else, you played with the government. They did, they didn't, you know, you, you got around it a little bit. You got around it, it cost you some money, but the, the, most of the kids were still going to Hadar. It was beginning to, to, to disintegrate, but the, most of the kids still did it. It also helped, in quotation marks, there were many Jews that wanted the Jewish education system um, totally uprooted, changed, and they, they were the ones who told the government, this hater is fooling you, this hater is fooling you, don't let them get away with it. And, and the type of laws were how many hours of um, language they have to learn of that country, how many secular stu uh, stuff, how hygienic, hygienic, the, the rooms have to look like, there has to be a window in the room, there has to be running water, whatever it is, those, those were things that they, that they met, and, and the teacher should have a, a diploma, which basically, which basically made all, all Chadorim uh, Rebbeim a puzzle. But for the boys, people got around it, and they felt it was Yisiyag Valyav, and felt it was very important, and they managed. The girls never had gone to school. The parents did not feel it was terribly necessary, but they didn't think there was any real problem other than that. And therefore, they started going to public school with no Jewish education. It's, it's, it's extraordinary when you think about it. And in the period of 25 years, there wasn't a from Jewish girl. They were more from, less from, dependent on where they came from. All of a sudden, they read. They read novels. They read popular books, they sang popular Polish songs, they dressed Polish. And, and you had, all of a sudden, 25 years later, Poland had mandatory education, and you know, people picked up on it. And the girls were basically fry kids, and the, 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 the boys were from varying degrees. Chsidish, Hamish, whatever you want. It was incredible when you think about it. Um, a description in a newspaper in 1903 in a, in a from newspaper was what's going to be? I was at a wedding, the chassan is wearing a shrine with vices and everything else. The girl could be a model, a Polish model, dressed like a Polish girl, it, it, you know, looks like a Polish girl, everything about it, what's happening? Um, in my, my, um, my brother-in-law's mother, she passed away a few years ago, Rebbe Slavovitz, told me a memory that she had. She was away on vacation in, in this, you know, this, in, in one of these towns, like, you know, there's like the towns we saw, and there was a woman whose husband was enlarged, a well-to-do businessman, and he said she was dressed to kill. She hung out in ways and flirted, ran around, kind of really pushing the envelope. And this was going on, and all of a sudden, she withdraws, she, the, her maid, is pressing these 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 bekishas, and she's kind of drawing back. Two weeks later, a chassidish, a wealthy person comes from Lodz, and she is a rebbetzin for, for for two weeks, as long as he's there, and then he goes back to Lodz, and she goes back to being uh, what she was. This was very very typical. Obviously, they were getting no education. 
the women also, because they're so sensitive, so, so imagine that you're a from girl, but everybody around you is not, and they're making fun of you, and they're telling you you look like out of a monastery, you look like a nun. I mean, my gosh, they don't come uglier than you. This, this was the type of thing, so the social pressure was incredible. And basically, there was, I, I saw this quote in a few places, I never saw the source for it, but they wrote that by the turn of the century, over 400 girls of Krakow had become geschmat. I cannot, I don't know, I, I was looking very hard to find where it is. It's, 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 it's a figure that's tossed around that, oh, that I don't know. It, it, to, to Krakow, it sounds an incredible amount for a city like that, but, but, but unfortunately, um, it was true. There was some. They fell in love with, 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 the, Pol with the Polish guy, and, and, and they converted. That was the state of things, and nobody knew what to do. Um, I will read soon something, and I'll find it incredible. A, a woman was born in 1883, and her name was Sara Schneera. Her father was a Belzech Hasid, and she grew up. She was an um, adventurous type, she liked hiking, she, she, she was into things, she read a lot, she, had, she, had, she started having some education, and then her, the, the, the family needed her help, and she went to work to help support the family as a seamstress. She seemed to be a very strong woman, a, a, very, very, um, a, a very an intelligent woman, and she, and she was, you know, it, it hurt her, it bothered her, but there was very little you could do. She, during World War I, she ended up in Vienna, like many Jews who fled to Vienna from Eastern Europe. And Hashkacha had it that she wasn't living with the other from Jews. They lived in an outlying community in Vienna. And she went to shul. The Rav was a Yid named Rav Moshe David Flesh. Moshe David Flesh was a, an Oberlander Jew who had also studied in Germany by Rav Royer in Frankfurt. He was an extraordinary speaker. And he spoke about the need, how, how, the need for the Messir Nefesh of the Hashmanoim to light again the Jewish candle and so on. She was extremely moved by the Joshua. He was a very powerful speaker, very inspiring speaker. She began to become a Talmida of, her, of his. She went to Shurim of his. And she decided that she would do something about it. Her first idea was, how about let's take women who are, um, let's take women who need a support group. Because being from in those days, you need a support group. People laughed at you, people made fun of you, really in a very, very coarse way. So she wanted to make clubs where people would find books to read, women would find books to read, they would, they would help each other, you know, sort of develop a social atmosphere of women helping each other and having genuine Torah content. It did not succeed. And she realized we need to start from young girls. It's not going to work. 
with starting with older girls who don't have the, the, the background and, 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 and the firm ground on it. That idea, and so she began to formulate the idea that she need, we need to make a school for girls. That was revolutionary, a from school for girls. The way it started was as an afternoon school for the girls going to public school. To see a sense of what was rabbinic response in those days, I want to share with you, this is pre-World War I, and World War I made a tremendous change, and I think that's an important piece. I have here a book, a contrast, a book, called Make It Near Damim. It's written by somebody named Menachem Mendel um, Chaim. His name was Lando, I believe. He was the Rav of a, of a Polish town called Navadvar. Um, it's technically written by a uh, Talmud of his who wrote up what his Rebbe sent him. He comes from Lancet, from Lancet, this, this boy, so we were just there now. I don't know if he wrote it himself and had it under the name of his Talmud because there's a lot of political stuff here. And it could be he was hiding under his wings. I don't know. Um, it's, I don't know what his standing was. Here it writes, the God, Ladar, and so on and so forth. You know what? It's, it's, there's, there's, there is a, there's an agenda here, maybe 100% positive, but there's an agenda. There's also an agenda against a certain person, another Rav that he really despised. The problem with this country is also, it mixes Shtikach Torah of his with, with events, with history. So you learn it, you're, you're reading about something, then it says, by the way, apropos this Indian, I have a Shtikach Torah, I'm Lachshan Sirilagufa. First of all, you can't hold in the bathroom, it's a problem. Secondly, it's, it's kind of very disconcerting. But, but with all these, with all these chesronos, it is a remarkable document. This is written, published in 1903. And he writes over here, they had a big rabbinic convention to deal with all the issues of the times. The, the, the conference was called by two rabbis from Egypt. A rough from Cahir and a rough from Alexandria. I don't know why they were involved. I don't know what there was, but they came, and it was, and they organized a rabbinic conference in 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 uh, in Krakow to deal with the problems, the the, the 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 problems of the hour. Now, I don't. It's hard to tell. This person presents his position on these issues. He presents. Um, the conversation, the, 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 the sort of the, the, the script of the transcript of, of the speeches. He presents his position and he has much disdain and hatred for the chairman of it who he felt was undermining him. And they obviously disliked each other. I cannot tell you who, you know, I can't, I don't know the policy, it doesn't make a difference. I can't tell you the points that he spoke about. And, and they, they, everybody agreed that what's happening is terrible. His proposals were three proposals, basically. There were three proposals. One was to deal with the issue of Chinuch HaBonim, the boys' education. They had Malamdim. A Malamid was, if you can't do anything else, then why don't you become a Malamid? That was the attitude. There was no, there was no curriculum. 
there was no standards, there was no educational training and so on. And he said, let the Rabbanim in every town make it their business to organize a Talmud Torah, meaning a, a yeshiva, a school for kids, under them and a board of five or six um, knowledgeable Balbatim to run it in a professional way. That was one proposal. And in his words, the one who undermined it was the, the, the Yoshev Rosh. We, we know who it is. It was somebody who actually was one of the big writers for Agudas Yisrael. Paul Tavarov, he, he, he seemed to be a Hasha person. He said to him, are you going to have English studies, second studies or not? So he answered. He said, I as a Rav couldn't care less about it. We're gov we are citizens of the Holy Tsar. May, may the Lord exalt and bless his, bless his, good, his, 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 his good little heart. And whatever his rules are, we're going to do. He says that you have to learn two hours, and we're going to learn two hours. So the Yosha said, aha, you're a closet maskal. You're trying to bring in the Murechol in the back, through the back door, this and that. So that was one fight that they had. And then somebody said, one, somebody suggested that a Rabbanim, you know, in a town where they don't have a Cheda, the, the rough person should roll up his sleeves and, and learn with the kids. And then again, the same person got up and said, that will destroy any covered Rabbanis left over. There's no covered Rabbanis to start with, and if a rub becomes a Malamit, he will lose his covet. To which he replied, and so on and so forth, that was one area. A second area, he said, the girls are going to pot. There are no from girls left. We need to make schools for the girls, teach them Tanakh, teach them Yiddishkeit, whatever. And again, the Yosher got up and said, this is reform, and we will not, Bar Hashem, for generations, generations, Jewish children have been raised as Erlacher kids. This will continue, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the third thing um, was an issue they started to raise, and everyone shouted down and said, Laman Hashem, he shouldn't speak about it, because this will create a tremendous, tremendous Chil um, Unfortunately, there was a large enough number of girls that were being, that were being emission from country to country. And the reason was because a father would leave to America, leave his family alone for six, seven years. There was no father figure. There was no money. It was destroyed. And, and this was, the Goyim spoke about it, that the Jews are the ones that are in these things. And they didn't want to deal with the issue. They said, talking about it, all the newspapers will quote us, it'll be terrible, Hashem, and so on. Um, those were three issues that he raised in 1903. Um, this gives you an example of what, how things were like. I mean, you read the transcripts of the speeches, and again, I would take it to a grain of salt because he's a person who obviously has an agenda. You have Rabbanim speaking long, Medrashim and Chazal, and, and, and all sorts of back and forth, you know, it's, it's like long drushes. And, and, and they're, not, they're not dealing with the issue. They're long drush at the end of the drush, saying, and, and apropos to what I spoke in the drush, I therefore suggest this and this. Um, and my father's Chayinavach told me that in, in Lithuania there were 120 towns and Rabbanim. And the Rabbanim, um, and, and they were lonely. They were in a town with a few, with, with 30, 40 families, simple people, that nobody talked to learning. So when they had a Rabbanish Asifa, each one would darshan for hours, everything he had pent up in his stomach over the years. 
So Kedan of Arov, who was a chacham and a sophisticated person, you know, banged his gavel and said, uh, Arov, would you please stick to the point? So Berzerov says, what do you want? Every medrash I mention is from Pasha Shavuah. There's nothing here that's off, off, off track. This is all Pasha Shavuah. S some of it you, you, you get and, and you say to yourself, where, where is it leading? Um, and at the end, they pass these watered down, these watered, like for instance, about the girls, the, 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 the resolution they could get everybody to agree on was that all parents should be makbid, that the girls be erlich nos Yisrael. That was the situation in, nine, this is 1903, um, a convention of Rabbanim. You can download Voice of Chachm if you want. The Marsham, who was a Gavra Rabba, tried to make a girl's education of some sort, and the opposition was so strong that he had to back down. They couldn't. Um, this is how things were. World War I destroyed any remnants of any communities things took a quantum leap. They went not from bad to worse, they went from bad to horrible. And by 1918, nobody was in the mood anymore to, to, to stand up and speak about, you know, the, the, the wonderful system we had. Till now, it was gone. That was all gone. And in 1918, she starts her first school for kids. It was a mom-and-pop shop. She had it in her apartment, two rooms, a bunch of girls. There were no teachers. So the older girls would teach the younger girls. It, it was an incredible work of, um, you know, like mom-and-pop shop with no resources. And she herself put everything into it. It is one of the ironies of histories or one of the darke hashkacha. She never was Zoha to much of a life of her own. She, um, she was married twice. First time she was married to somebody, very dry, unhappy marriage. She writes about it in, in, her, in her diaries. She immediately wanted to get divorced. You know, people pushed her and she stayed on for three years. Somebody named Nuspam, no idea who the person was, what he was. And, and, uh, but the, 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 it, 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 she got, they got divorced without children. Later on, at some point in life, she, she got married to somebody named Landau. No mention of it is made. She called herself by maiden name, Sarah Schneerer. Very unclear as to never had children. Not clear if she would have had a family with children, would she have been able to do what she did? The storm dark Hashem. She, she felt that these are her children, this is her life, this is Anishama, and she invested herself with every ounce of strength in it. And it began, the, at the beginning, it was very rough. There's a famous anecdote about her that she was walking in the streets of Krakow and somebody threw rocks at her as a shagitz. You know, she's, she's, she's uh, trying to do something terrible. And she, she said, I picked up those racks because I was going to build my Besyakov from these rocks. This is where I would build my building from. What did she have with her that, that worked? Um, the two or three things, again, reading what she wrote, reading about her, she went from a mindset of Sheval Taise. In other words, 
be a firm girl, be a little girl, be a little sadekis, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Good girls are neither, are neither seen nor heard and so on and so forth. She was a very positive, strident personality. They went on hikes, they went on retreats, she made songs for them, plays, um, you know, it, it, there was, she created, the girls in the system felt that they were pioneers. Remember, this was the Tkufa, when people were trying to build a new world, destroy a world, build a world, do something. That was the Tkufa. Communism, Zionism, anarchy, and something. And, and the, the, the message of Sheval Taisa was not going to work with the youth. It really works with youth, and certainly in that Kufa, there was a time of, of Komase. And she was able to create a whole, she was that person herself. They would hike for miles. They would go away to this picturesque town, a retreat for a few weeks, and, and talk about good things and, and so on and so forth. And she was able to, and girls were enthusiastic about it. And as it gained momentum, it became more and more encouraging. It's like a movement. The more and more people get into it, more and more people want to be swept up. And it went from something that people were suspicious about and thought it would never work to something that became, in 20 years, it started in 1918, it ended in 1940 in, in, in Europe. It had grown to hundreds and hundreds of schools, the number, it became, in 20 years, it went from nothing to wow. Um, so one thing was her positive personality, her, her ability to do things with ruach and, and, and give a message to girls, you know, we're going, we're changing the world, we're like Hannah with her children, we're like Hannah Shmuel's brother, we're like Yehudis, we're like Esther and so on. There was another point, and this is going to be an, an interesting on, on, on understanding the catalyst for her movement. She, the the old-fashioned drushes of Rabbanim in, in Eastern Europe were totally, they were not terribly inspiring for from people, for from men, they were totally not shy to women. A medrash, a kasha, a pshat, uh, answering to Chazal with 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 the and at the end saying, and this is why we have to be wonderful people, was not going to work. It wasn't material you could learn. It wasn't Shaya. The German Rabbanim, her own Rabbi Flesch, who had learned by Rabbi Breuer in Frankfurt, the, she picked up Rav Hirsch's Sefer, Rav Hirsch's Forum became the Bible for the movement. And she was able to speak these drushes that were long on inspiration and short on pilpul. Um, uh, they have it again. This is she's printed a lot of it. I'm, I'm reading. Uh, I'm going to read just one as an example. She speaks about Naomi and Rus, and 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 uh, you know and and the, and the hero. Um, Orpa has a weak character. In other words, being from means that you're very strong. Orpa was weak. She's drawn to own home and she allows her to be persuaded. But Ruth clung to her. Um, the, the, Ruth did not weep copious tears or bestow kisses. She just clung to her, holding Nomi tight 
which is clear evidence of a steadfast character, her greatest spirituality and morality in comparison with her sister-in-law. Rus has fully grasped the great mission of the Jewish daughter. She knows that Judaism demands spiritual morality from each person and that the commandments have only one aim, to ennoble human beings with good qualities so they'll fulfill both the commandments understood by all and those our weak minds cannot comprehend. And, and, and again, it's a very, very inspiring message of becoming strong, big, committed, great. And that, that's on and on the type of material that she produces. And it is something that is incredible. What? It, it, it was a different language. It was a language that spoke. The, um, the, as she, in 19, by 1922, she had so many girls and no teachers that they established a seminary for girls. And this was incredible. I mean, they needed teachers. Nobody knew anything. So they established a seminary. Now, um, this, was, this was an even bigger chiddush, a yeshiva for girls. The friar people mocked it, and they said, there's now a college for salting meat, the, the salting meat college of, of, of Krakow, and, and, and they, they really, really laced into it. Tachlis, that was her famous seminary, and it produced teachers of great caliber. The Rabbanim, it's interesting, the, the Geri Rebbe, she first asked the Belzer Rebbe, Rebbe Shodo. Her, her brother was, was a Belzer Hasid, her father had been Belzer Hasid. And she asked her brother to ask the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said he gives a full-hearted blessing on it. Later on, they drew back. For some reason, Bells later on drew away from it. Not sure why, but Bells had a very, very cold attitude. Ger latched onto it. Someone asked the Gary Rebbe that they want to rent his house to use as a, as a um, seminary. Should he let his house be used as a seminary? And he, the Rebbe said, I wish they would have rented my house. So once the Gary Chassid heard that, Ger marched, Ger was all in it. Every Gary Chassid sent his kids there. The Chavetz Chaim wrote that um, he, in his famous Psak Halacha, in, he wrote it in Likut Halachis on Saita that women are allowed to learn Torah, it's We need to should learn. They're allowed to learn in Tanakh, Halachas that are relevant, Divrei Musar, etc., etc. Once the Chavetz Chaim paskined, it became obviously acceptable. Someone asked the Chavetz Chaim, based on that Gemara, he said, doesn't it say that if you teach your daughter Torah, it's as if you teach him Tiflis? And the Chavetz Chaim famously remarked, the Gemara says, it's as if you teach him Tiflis. The choice is they should actually learn Tiflis. So between as if and actually learn Tiflis, you're much better off as if rather than Tiflis itself. So once he had these, once these two were behind, Ger Rebbe and... Um, and the 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 the, the uh, Chavetz Chaim, then it became standard, and within 20 years that became the standard for the girls. The um, the, 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 the the seminary itself, with the introduction of seminary, 
two or three other important figures became involved. And this is something you need to remember. Sarashir herself was a powerhouse. She was a, a, an inspired person. She was an incredible person. She didn't have the reach and the sweep to be able to get funding for this or to be able to get staff for this. Who were the people involved? So there were quite a few German Jews, um, Hersheans. They had the understanding of organization, structure, fundraising, and they could also speak the language of Hirsch, which was the language that speaks to a broader audience who doesn't deal well with, with a pilpul in, in a mashar. The, um, it, it's, it's fascinating in Israel and Bnei Brak, the one who founded the seminary was also a German, was Rabbi Wolf. It, they had what it took to present material in a way that could speak to a broad audience and, and, and do it well. There was somebody named Shmuel Deutschlander, Dr. Shmuel Deutschlander. He was a German Jew who got involved. He was in Aguda, and he got Aguda to create a fund to support Beis Yaakov, and to bring funding that was absolutely critical. And he was also a master teacher. Another person was actually Gera Hasid, but was a, a sort of a broader person. His name was Rav Orlian. He took over after Sarah Schneerer and, and made it what it was. The, the, she, was she passed away in, in 1938, I believe. It was in, in, in 1937 she died at the age of 52. By the time she died, there were 250 schools with 35,000 students. That was, that was what was there. The schools ranged different caliber. Some was afternoon schools, some all-day schools, some this, some that. But Tachlis, it had gone from being a, a, a small, a, a dream uh, that, I, that everybody left and was opposed to, to becoming um, the strongest um, force in Torah Judaism in, in, in Europe. Um, I guess some, some lessons, some thoughts about it. First of all, it takes a yachid to make a revolution. Committees do not make revolutions. It takes many people to sustain a revolution. She was the only one who could have made it. However, um, the, the, without it later becoming a real organization, with people understood organization, fundraising, structure, curriculum, all of those things, it, it would always have been a mom and pop shop. And, and it would not have succeeded. Um, even as, if, as, as far as the opposition Rabbanim, there were other movements that tried to, um, that had the same rallying cry, things are going to pop, we must do something. The proof was always in the pudding. Conservative Judaism also had that same cry. They said, you know, people are intermarrying. People says we must do something. So mechitza, so it's a late minhag. We'll, we'll get rid of mechitza's net. The proof is in the fact that they that that, that it became a, a, not an entrance ramp. It became an exit uh, um, for, for for anyone in the movement. Anyone in the movement either left Judaism or became about tshuva and rejected conservative Judaism. It was not the is Some of the maskilim wanted to have radically different schools. And those schools and, and, and seminaries produced, you know, produced goyim. That's all they produced. Nothing of, of value. 
the Tainus against Hasidim was strong Tainus. They produced Erlich Yidin who kept, Jew, who, who kept Yiddishkeit in Poland. So there's always a Hochiach Sofal Tchilosai from the fact that she was so. The fact that Beis Yaakov produced the, 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 the Shlome Amuni Yisrael amongst the girls and perpetuated Kali Yisrael. All of these Shivas in Europe would have been worthless if there wasn't a woman to marry and to keep a Jewish household uh, from household. It, she's an incredible person. Her own personal tragedy, I mean, we can reflect on Hashgacha that if she would have had a family, would she have been able to be true to her message about the importance of family in Bas Yisrael? And in those days, we needed to spend so much time and invest herself to Kal Yisrael? I don't know. Without the infusion, without the hashkacha of living by somebody, by, by flesh, who inspired her, both sparked her, and on the other hand, gave her the material and the style of speech that became inspiring. So he's a forgotten hero. And the, the fact that Hershey and Torah became a Torah that could speak to people who were not Tamil the people who, who, who made it happen, um, all, all of it together is it's a complex picture. Um, it's something to sit and to and to and to and to, and to look at. It's, it's like it's almost like the Pasik Achikamti Dvora until a woman stood up and said, Mila Shemilai, and she took you know her 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 heroes were the Noshim in, in Tanakh who made this difference and reflect on a hashkacha that saved the remnants of Kalisro. This is had those 20 years been lost. I don't know if anything would have been left. Had all those Bachrim in Mir and in Baranovich not been able to find one girl who was Shomer Shabbos, then, then what's, the worth, what's the point of it? We, we would have had one generation of celibate priests and that would be the end of it. There, we, we, we would not have anything like that. Um, you, know, it's, 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 you know, many people have said, and it's right, that Kalal Yisrael owes its continued existence to Sarashnira because Bachrim, they had more Tamachamim, less Tamachamim, but, but they had something. Girls had zero. And they all were becoming basically Polish guys. They were becoming, that, that was it. They, they, they had all the Polish cheap culture, the pop culture, zero of, 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 of Yiddishkeit. So we're going to be coming there. We'll, we'll see her, her keva, we'll see um, the, 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 the building and so on. It's something to reflect on what one person can accomplish, how many people are hidden behind that one person that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put together at critical moments, and an incredible Ashkacha that brought back Yiddishkeit to us when it seemed to have been after World War One in 1918. If you would, if you were investing, you would put your money that there would be nothing left of Tar Yiddishkeit. Didn't make any, didn't seem anything would left over. And in 20 short years, a woman made a revolution. Ended up with 35,000 from five students to 35,000 in 20 years, from a movement that was despised and both by the Frum people and the Freya people, to something that everybody, she herself, this woman writes the book, is, is, writes with admiration. It's not her world. She doesn't want any part of it anymore. But you can't not admire this, the, 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 what it produced. Like upon him, this is, I think, going to be a very profound reflection um, when we see that. And, and 